excited to be here this morning to see all of you. It's great to be at the early morning service. Someone, once, someone asked me actually in the past week, they said, is the early morning service the most anointed? Because people wake up the earliest. <laughs> but I'm so excited to be here. And this message has been on my heart since a couple of months ago, actually. And it was just this week that I felt the Lord say, now is the time to release it. And so the title of my message is, Dig In and Dig Deep. Father, I pray that even today, as we come into your presence, may your Holy Spirit speak to us and show us what it is that you want us to do. I pray that there'll be such a renewal of commitment and love and fire in this place. Father, we thank you for every single person listening. May your word so seed in each of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Okay, today we're going to take a deep dive into Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah is not a book that everybody is really familiar with, but I want to just bring us through a couple of things. Now, in Nehemiah 2, I want to paint a picture for those of us who may not be so familiar with him. Now, he's actually the king's cupbearer, and he has a lot of favor with the king, and, and he has this burden in his heart. So one day he goes to the king and he says, he makes a request. And the king actually notices it because if you read Nehemiah 2 verses 2 to 5, the king asks him, why is your face sad since you, since, since you are not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. And so I became dreadfully afraid because at those times, you can't be sad in front of the king. You have to be happy. So for him to be sad was very unusual. And the king said, and, and he said, May the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies wasted and its gates are burned with fire? And then the king said to me, what do you request? And this is an interesting question because it is clear that Nehemiah has favour with the king. So I prayed to the God of heaven and I said to the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favour in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. Wow. Nehemiah is a man on a mission. And now he's taking this risk. He's gone to the king and said, would you do this for me? And in verses 18 to 20, it goes on to say, and I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, and also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. And so they said, let us rise up and build. This is Nehemiah's team. And then they set their hands to this good work. There is team unity. There is a sense. Let us arise. Let us build. Let us do this together. But there is a turning point. Now all these people, but when Sanballat, the Horonite, Tobiah, the Ammonite official, and Geshem, the Arab heard of it, they laughed at us and they despised us and said, what is this thing that you're doing? Will you rebel against the king? And it's interesting because do you ever notice that wherever you want to try and do something for the Lord, that opposition comes in your way? And this is one of the few times that Nehemiah actually speaks up against his naysayers. And I believe this is relevant for us because, you know, when you're in the middle of a mission, I don't think God wants us to stop at everything that people say to us and answer to everyone. I think He wants us to keep undistracted on the mission. 
But there was this one few time when Nehemiah actually spoke up. And I think this is significant because friends, when God calls us to a mission, there are times where he wants us to speak into the atmosphere. And he said this, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. But you, you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. Friends, there are times where God has called you to build something. And what we need to do is to declare that and put the enemy in his place. I want to talk about the voice of the enemy. Now, it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the, and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gates were being closed, that they became very angry. You see, the more they built, the more frustrated the enemy, enemies got. The more the team was building and arising, the more vexed the enemy felt. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. This is what happened. And then our adversary said, they will neither know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. Do you see this? This is not just a, oh, let's slow them down. This is a plot to cause the work to cease. So it was when the Jews who dwelt near them came that they told us ten times, from whatever place you turn, they will be upon us. I want to talk about this today because I know many of us are carrying heavy burdens. And you have a mission. The Lord has called you to something. And please, don't, don't think it's just ministry. It's what you do in the marketplace. It's your life. God has called you to something, a mission. He's called you to plow into it. And now that two years of the pandemic has passed, I know many of you are suffering from the aftermath of that, whether it's grief, whether it's losing something, whether you're still struggling with the financial issues of what has happened in two years gone past. There is a burden that you are carrying or maybe missed opportunities, things that you've wanted to pursue and, and they never got there. But I want to remind you of this, that this burden that you carry has a purpose. I want to share an incident that happened to me last October. Very few people know about this, but today I believe I'm ready to speak about it and I hope that it will encourage you. You see, last year in October, something very bizarre happened. I was, some of you know that in my professional life, I, I, I work. I work as a public health professional at the university. And um, in, during the pandemic, I helped with the migrant worker outbreak and all that. But on the other hand, I also run a non-profit called Kitesong Global. And I'm the founder, I'm the CEO. And so I straddled between these two. And last October, what happened was this. I underwent a really stressful time of audits. Now, those of you who run companies, you know what audits are like. I have never been through a round of audits before. And I didn't realize how stressful it was. I felt like someone was investigating the insides, you know, of, of, of our organization. I had no idea. I didn't know what to expect. And then suddenly, team members, precious team members within the nonprofit had to make an early exit because of family crises and other, you know, very valid reasons. And so I felt, you know, I'm losing the strength of my team. And just as I was feeling low and discouraged, 
what happened was this. I received a phone call one day from the HR department from my workplace, and they said this, they said, we have discovered that you are staff here, and you are also CEO of another entity. This is not allowed. And they said, we discovered this because you declared it in your conflict of interest. And I said, okay, sure. But I also declared this three years ago when I joined your organization. Why now? <laughs> of course, I didn't laugh over the phone, but I said, why now? And she said, oh, actually, we overlooked. And I said, oh my goodness, what am I to do? She said, you have three options. One, you resign. And then you can, we will hire you again as an external consultant, but you will no longer be affiliated with us. Two, you get demoted. You become temp staff, but no benefits, nothing. And when I heard this, my heart shuddered. I'm the sole breadwinner of our family. I now work part-time because I believe it's a season God has called us to invest in our children and ministry. And now they want to demote me further. And just a week ago, my boss had just suggested a pay increase. So what's going on now? While all this was happening, the third thing she said was, actually, there's a simpler way. Why don't you transfer your CEO-ship of Kitesong Global, your nonprofit, to your husband? And then you can retain your benefits and everything will be okay. And my mentors, some of my mentors said, yeah, this, is, this makes sense. But I prayed and we sought the Lord. And the Lord said this to me, will you trust me when you walk in integrity? Do you want to save your benefits for yourself? Or do you want to take the right step forward? And while all this was happening, I felt discouraged, I felt alone, I felt burdened under this crushing weight. There was nobody who could bear this with me. And some of you are going through this right now as well, that you are carrying a burden that's so heavy and you know that nobody can share it with you. And one day at dinner time, I just told my husband Cliff, I said, I can't bear this anymore. Maybe all these things that are happening, it's just the Lord's way of telling me to fold up. It's time to close shop. It's time to say it's okay. But then he looked at me, and those of you who know Cliff, he's a very, sto very, very meek, very stoic, very solid man. Suddenly he said, I'm angry. I said, why are you angry? I'm not even angry. <laughs> he said, I'm angry for you. This is spiritual warfare. And I said, what do you mean? He said, go and read the book of Nehemiah. He said, now is not the time to back down. Now is not the time to transfer the CEO-ship, to offer to resign, to offer to be demoted. Now is the time to pray. We dig in and we pray. And somewhere around that time, those of you who have been following my sermons know that WH, the World Health Organization and UNICEF opened up this opportunity for humanitarian assistance in Africa. And all that happened at the same time. And what if I had said no? What if I said, oh, you know what? There's so much going on right now. I can't answer this. But no. The Lord wants us to not only focus on the building, but to also defend our territory. So I want to go into what Nehemiah did. Now this verse first. Now then Judah said, the strength of the laborers is failing. There's so much rubbish that we are not able to build the wall. 
The enemies were mocking them, you know. They were actually using the old rubble, the stones to rebuild the wall, not even like fresh materials. <laughs> and do you ever feel sometimes when you look around you, everything is falling apart? Why is there so much rubbish around the wall? And I promise you this, when, you, when you're focused on a mission, the distractions that come are not just about the mission. It comes from all directions. Your family crisis, your job, suddenly something happens to your teammate, whatever it is. It's from all fronts. But friends, this is not new. I want us to look at what Nehemiah, this, this man did. What did Nehemiah do? 4-6. So we built the wall and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height for the people had a mind to work. Friends, do we have a mind to work? When God has called us on a mission, do we have a mind to work? Do we say, yes, Lord, this is the mission you have called me to. I want to work it. The other thing is, nevertheless, 4-9, nevertheless, we made our prayer to God and because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. In times of trouble, this is the time where we set a watch in prayer day and night, night and day, day and night, night and day. We do not relent. And during that time, Cliff said, we must pray, we will pray. And let me tell you how strategic this move of the enemy was. Because later on, I found out that I could not have gone to Africa because if something had happened, if I had left the university, because it was a tripartite partnership. Do you see this? Cliff said, it is so strategic that the enemy wants to knock you out of this. But no, we stay and we set a watch against the enemy day and night, night and day. There are many, many young women in this church and I just want to say this to you. You might think you're very meek and you're very mild and very dainty, but the Lord has not called you to be dainty. He has called you to be dangerous. And I'm not saying that you be brash, you be aggressive, you be controlling. I'm saying that you be dangerous in prayer through the kingdom of God. That is where you get dangerous. And that applies for the rest of us as well. And Nehemiah 4.14 says, And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, to the rest, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome. I love this. Remember the Lord, great and awesome. In your time of distress, in your time of struggle, will you remember the Lord, great and awesome? And fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives and your houses. I want to speak to some of you here today who are struggling Maybe you're not struggling right now. Maybe you have before or maybe it will come. But I want you to remember this. When you are building your mission, when you are hard at work, it is not about how far I'm going to get. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about your why. Why did you start this mission? Why are you doing what you're doing? It's because the Lord has called you to it. But remember, the Lord great and awesome, but also your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, your house. What is this? This is your heritage. It's a legacy you're building. I could give up. If I gave up the nonprofit, what is it going to matter? My CV still looks good. I don't have to care about this and worry about tens of thousands of dollars, whether I can raise them. It's easier to let it go. Nehemiah could have said, oh wow, this is so much spiritual warfare. I think I better go home. 
Why plow on? Why hold on to your F&B business? Why plow through your startup? Why continue at your workplace? Why continue with applying for whatever cause that it is God has called you to study? Why? It's this heritage and legacy that God has called you to, and we must remember that. And then 4.18 says, every one of the builders had a sword girded at his side as he built, and the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. I love this. There was a sword girded at his side. They built and they defended. They built and they defended. And you look at the next one. So we labored in the work, and half of the men held the spears from daybreak until the stars appeared. This is so exhausting. The people had spears, they had swords. And it's not just that they were just defending. Because you know there are times, I can tell you, the, the weight, the burden is so great. Sometimes all you want to do is just hold your sword and hold your spear and just defend. But no, the Lord is saying, you build, you defend, you build, you defend. You move on. What if I had said, oh no, you know, the WHO thing, you know, it's come at a bad time, I can't do it. No, we went forward. And I asked myself, what if, what if I get dropped out by the university? Then all this will will go to waste. And the Lord said, no, move forward. So you move forward and you defend. You move forward and you defend. You do not relent. We must not relent. So what happened was this. We continued to pray. We continued to ask the Lord, Lord, what is it that you want us to do? And this is what happened. We prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And then one day I had an enlightenment. I realized that the HR was always calling me and I felt so disturbed, I felt so harassed. One day I had an epiphany while praying and the Lord said, write them an email. And I said, from now onwards, I'd like everything to be black and white. Send me the contract that I signed. And there, in black and white, were the words, you can be a staff and a CEO of an entity if you have exceptional approval from the highest authorities. I said, have we explored that? Have we explored that? <laughs> because I want to explore that. And I was afraid, because what if there was going to be more rounds of interrogation? What if this is going to be dragged out? But no, the Lord said, you do that. So we did that. And we prayed and we prayed. And Christmas was just coming around the corner and this heavy, heavy, heavy stone was on my back. And I said, Lord, please just relieve me of it. And one day the email came three days before Christmas and they said, you have been given exceptional approval. Exceptional approval. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you. But you see this, friends. Don't give up. I just want to say this to you, don't give up. When times are tough, we pull and push through. Let's dig in and dig deep. I want to share this story with you because around the same time when all this was happening, something very bizarre happened. You see, I was so strained from, from the stresses that were coming at me. I knew, I knew I needed, I needed somebody to come in to plow alongside me. It was time to expand. It was time to have a PA, an executive administrator, but I had no money. And then suddenly, out of the blue, there was a sponsor who stepped in and said, I will sponsor you the full year, and it was all be covered, don't worry. And I thought to myself, wow, God, you have come through for me. Thank you. So I started to send out the recruitment letters and, you know, um, you know, is anybody interested in the job and things like that. And then last minute, 
it fell through. This young woman with a, with a child, with a baby, had left her job. And now the, I had no money to pay her. And I said, Lord, how long more? How long more? And these two words I kept saying to the Lord, I said, Lord, I feel ensnared and enslaved. And I said, it's so sad. I said, this is, the, this is the mission you have called me to. This is my baby. And now whenever I think about Kite Song or anything about the nonprofit, I say, I feel enslaved and ensnared. I cannot move forward. And I said, why did you send me that sponsor and then pull out? Wouldn't that have been better if he didn't come at all? But I want you to think about this, friends. For Nehemiah, this man, he has so much favour of the king. Can I ask you a question? Why didn't God give him so much favour with Tobiah and all these other people too? He could have. But no, he didn't. And the message is this. God doesn't care so much about the work as he does about the character that he built in us while we build. You see, as I struggled with this bitterness and unforgiveness and hurt, I, the Lord brought to me a memory of how I met this sponsor. And I just wanna say, make this clear that I have forgiven that person and I really thank the Lord for, 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 for this person coming to my life because the Lord makes everything turn out for good. You see, after I met the sponsor, what happened was that he dropped me off at Star Vista. I had to go for my booster jab at Buena Vista Community Centre, but he was in a rush. He had a meeting at Star Vista. He dropped me off at Star Vista. And then when I got off, I was lost. It's like, I don't know how to get to the CC, the community centre. It's not my neighbourhood. So I got off and I saw an old uncle. And he was, uh, he was, he was riding a bicycle. And I said, Uncle, um, how to go to Buena Vista CC? Can you, can you take me? So he said, yeah, can. So he said, follow me. So he rides his bicycle across the road. So there's a traffic light. He crosses the road and then he does this. So I follow him. And after that, he, he points there and then he rides on. I thought to myself, okay, now he's gone. I know the general direction. It's I'm on my own, right? But no, he rides on and he waits for me. He waits for me. And then when I get to him, I said, okay, uncle, just tell me where I'll walk. And he said, no, 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 no. He said, follow me. I take you. So he takes me and then he says, you walk here down the steps. I go the long way. I meet you there and I'll bring you. And he brings me all the way, all the way, all the way. I reach the community centre. And when I leave him, I say, uncle, thank you so much. I'm very touched. And he said this to me. I told you. Follow me. I bring you all the way. And at that point in time, friends, the Holy Spirit overwhelmed me. And I felt the Lord speak to me and said, this is my voice. These are my words. Follow me. I will go with you all the way. And that is why I took this picture with the uncle. I said, uncle, this means a lot to me. Can I take a photo with you? The Lord said, follow me. I will go with you all the way. The funny thing is, when I got home, you know, my kids now are five and three. It's so funny. They have, I've never made kites with them before. And when I opened the door, this is what Cliff and the kids were doing. I said, Lord, of all days, why are they making kites on this day? And the Lord spoke to me again. I will go with you all the way. All the way.
Friends, you see, sometimes disappointments happen in our lives. Bad things happen and we don't understand why. Why did the sponsor pull out? But the Lord gave me a prophetic picture. That sponsor drove me to Star Vista. He brought me far enough for me to commit and say, I will not give up. I'll send out the advertisements. When he pulled out, when I was in Africa, he sent other people to sow into the work. Do you see this? The disappointments, the hardships, the trials that you face along the way, they are in the Lord's hands and you are not alone. I thank God for that sponsor who brought me to Star Vista because if he had not, I would never have met this old uncle on the bicycle. So I want you to always remember this. When things get tough, when you ask God, why? Why, God, why? Why is this happening to me? If you are God, you can take this away. If you are God, you don't have to send Tobiah and the Ammonites and these Arabs and, and all these people who are, who are naysaying at me and pulling me down and stressing me out. Why don't you just lift my burdens? But the Lord wants us to know this that God wastes nothing. He's a good steward. He doesn't waste resources. You see, some of us ask, why, why so much pressure on Nehemiah? He could have saved his energy, saved his men, saved defending. But God wants to build something in our lives more precious than a wall. He wants to build faith. At the end of the day, it's not the wall that he cares about, friends. It's what he builds in us through building the wall. He wants us to know that there is something deeper, greater, and it's His grace and power, not our self-striving. I want to share this picture with you because when I actually got to Africa, within the first four days, something was wrong with my body and I felt really unwell. And when I started to consult with some of my doctor friends, they said, this is really bad, you need to get evacuated four days into my six-week mission. And as I prayed, suddenly, I mean, I should have been extremely anxious, which I was. But the strange thing was this, as I started to text, you know, Cornerstone and the pastors, and they began to pray for me, something unusual happened. I began to feel a tangible presence. And this, this, this has never happened before. I felt the tangible presence of angels in my room. And I felt the Lord tell me, it will all be okay. That night, I had a very strange dream. I dreamt that I was being treated by an infectious disease doctor that I knew. And when I woke up, I thought it was so bizarre because everybody was telling me, you know, you're going to get evacuated, you know, go for surgery, this and that, blah, blah, blah. And when I woke up, I, I told God, I said, God, the doctor in the dream, wrong specialty should be a surgeon, not infectious disease. <laughs> but when I woke up, um, one of my mentors, she did a detailed teleconsult with me and suddenly she said, oh, she said, we've got it all wrong from the start. She said, it's an infection. You can treat it locally. Praise the Lord. I share this with you because you see, friends, what if in your time of panic, when you're overwhelmed, you decide to hit back? What happens to the mission? It gets discarded. What if Nehemiah said, oh, this is too much for me. I want to go home. I want to get evacuated. No, you stay on. You tell the Lord, Lord, you have sent me on a mission. What is it that you want me to do? And he will come through for you. And as I continue to stay and plow, I saw the Lord work. 
And just before my birthday, while I was still there, 20,000 came in for the non-profit and then another 20,000. And now we're halfway. And I, I always joke, I say, Lord, if you can provide the half, half for us, you can provide the other half. <laughs> and I want you to know this, that the Lord is working. He's working even when you don't know it. During my time in Africa, before all this happened, one night I had a dream. And in the dream, it was this. It was a blizzard. It's a blizzard, like snow. And the snow was up to knee deep. And because it was knee deep, I couldn't walk. I had to do this. I had to walk this way because there was so much snow. And I said, Lord, I am so tired. Get me out of this. And it was really a reflection of how burnt out and how tired I was from carrying all these burdens. And I said, Lord, I don't want to go back to Singapore with this hole. I said, I'm so tired. And I thought the dream would have a good ending, but when I woke up, that was it. And I was like, huh? I woke up with tears in my eyes, but the funny thing was this, as soon as I got out of my room and I went, you know, to work and I, I, we did field visits and all that in the rural villages, suddenly I saw, I noticed the topography of Eswatini in Africa and everywhere I looked, there were these rolling hills, rolling hills, rolling hills, rolling hills, unending rolling hills. And the Lord spoke to me and He said, do you notice that from peak to peak, it's a far way. From peak to the next peak, it's a far way. And don't you realize that most of our lives, we are walking in the valley season. We are walking either downhill or slightly uphill. And either way, it's a little bit tiring. But your mountaintop moments, they are few, but they are worth going to. And so he said, just keep walking, keep plowing, keep going through the blizzard because you don't know, just keep walking. If you keep walking, you'll reach the next peak. And that's when the funds came in. So friends, I want to end on this note. That God wants us to walk by faith and not by sight. You may not know where you're going, but count it all joy when we fall into various trials because the testing of our faith will produce patience and let patience have its perfect work so that we may be powerful and complete, lacking nothing. I want to invite the worship team up. And as we close today, I want us to, to think about this. Are you tired? Are you weary? And maybe you're not. But you have been before or you will be in future. Whatever it is, I want you to know this. God doesn't care as much about the wall as much as He does about your journey. Those mountaintop experiences, they're great, but they are brief. Think about this. Think about the journey. As Bob closes us in a song, I want us right now just to open up our hearts and ask the Lord, Lord, what is the mission that you are calling us to? Let's commit to his mission. I want to open up the altar today I want to invite you to respond to the Lord. Even as we sing this song, will you commit to the mission that He has called you to, friends? What is it that He has called you to? This is not a selfish thing. This is something that the Lord has called you to. Think about it. With every eye closed and every head bowed, just think about it and say, Lord, 
what is it that you've committed? What do you want me to commit to? God, this is your mission for me. It is your sacred mission. Whether it's in ministry or in the marketplace, this is your sacred mission. Would you help me to commit to it? Would you help me to be undistracted? And more importantly, would you help me to dig in and dig deep when the going gets tough? Lord, I want to be like Nehemiah. I want to be like him who committed to building the wall, who was unafraid to arise and build, and build his team, and to plow on even when things got tough. He was not afraid to push on and defend, and push on and defend. And I want to say this, friends. Even when you don't know, the Lord is working. I want to invite us all to stand with our hands open to the Lord. Would you just say, Lord, I want to commit to what you have called me to undistracted. And as Bob leads us in worship, as we sing Waymaker, as we think about how God makes a way for us, I want to invite those of you who know God, I want to commit to your mission. I'm not going to hold back anymore. I'm not going to say no. I'm not going to fold up. I'm going to continue. I want to dig in and dig deep. I want to invite you to come to the altar. We want to pray for you. Let it be an act, a physical act of worship unto the Lord to say, Lord, I want to commit. The second group of you that I want to call up front is those of you who feel know the Lord is speaking to you be undistracted be undistracted be undistracted focus focus on what I've called you to do and maybe there are many of you here today who may not be going through tough times now but they will come in the future and if you're saying, God, I want to dig in and dig deep when those times come. I want to commit today. I want to make this commitment to you and say, God, I will not back down. Would you come down and be ministered to? Would you come down and be ministered to? Come with your hands open and your hearts open and say, Lord, I want to come. I want to commit to you. I want to be undistracted. I want to dig in and dig deep when the going gets tough. Don't be shy. We can now worship together in church. Come, come when the altar is open. Come and be ministered to. Those of you who need healing, come and be prayed for. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you here for open hearts. God, we thank you for the people who are coming down who are saying, Lord, I want to commit. I want to commit. I want to dig in. I want to dig deep. I'm going to commit to building the wall. I'm going to commit to joining with you. I feel the Lord just wants to say this to many of you who are listening. He says, follow me. I will go with you all the way. I will not let you down. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. When I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. 
you never stop working you never stop you never stop working even when i don't see it you're working even when i don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working let's just sing it to the you lord stop you're the way maker the way maker miracle worker promise keeper light in the darkness my god that is who, god that is who you are for those of you who are listening in wherever you are just open your heart and your hands and say God you are my God I trust that you are working for me thank you Jesus thank you Lord thank you Jesus Father I pray for every heart here I pray for every heart here every person here God, even as we dedicate our hearts to you, even as we say, God, I commit to your mission. I want to live undistracted. I will arise and build and I will defend for the heritage, for the legacy that you want me to leave behind for your glory, not mine. Lord, today I commit to digging in and digging deep. Lord, may your Holy Spirit just come. Just come. And even as you land, Lord, amidst us, as you lay heavy in this place, Father, we just speak the removal of burdens, the casting away of cares right now on people's shoulders, people who are carrying it for too long and it's too heavy. God, we pray that you will come in and remove that and replace it with a sweet, sweet presence, your sweet dove. Father, we thank you for being in our midst today. We thank you for doing all that you're doing. We just pray that even as we just sing one last song, just rededicate our lives to Him. You've just listened to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited. For permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon, please write into mail at cscc.org.sg. We hope that you have been blessed.